0: Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Young. Good to have you join us. We can probably agree that short video apps eat people's eyeball time away, for better or worse. Apparently, short video platforms are an important place to sell books and encourage reading. Hashtag book talk, hashtag reading, Hashtag love, hashtag can't get enough of it. Reading and watching short videos may not be so paradoxical after all. For today's program, I'm joined by Huang Shen in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. First on today's show. Short video platforms have become a primary place where we shop, socialize, and receive information in China. It may have just become an increasingly powerful force in reshaping the book community. A recent industry report shows that overall book sales in China saw a dip in 2022, but online sales driven by Douyin and other short video platforms are growing rapidly. In a similar vein, the hashtag booktalk aka reading for pleasure TikTok craze, has made the love of literature trendy on social media in English-speaking countries. Have short video platforms revived our love for reading? But hold on, haven't short videos sucked our precious eyeball time away from reading in the first place? So tell us about the precarious relationship between book retail and short videos.
2: Yeah, for a very long time, many industry insiders... War chalked the gloomy book sales to the popularity of short video platforms. Uh, According to Beijing Open Book, uh, which is the founder of the largest database for China's book industry, overall book sales in China decreased 12% in 2022. And this is contrasted by short video e-commerce jumping a staggering 42.8% in the same period. So while sales on the whole were suffering a relatively new channel for digital book retail was booming and uh, in terms of the categories literature and biography are popular among book lovers while um, the study eight category down by more than two percent compared to 2021 in terms of the sales figures um, and uh, the Report also pointed out that the main driving force of the literary market comes from the internet, including the popularity of online literature and online discussions and comments about related books, as well as in fiction highlighted on live broadcast programs, apparently some Online influencers who appear on live streaming sessions are also having impact in this regard. According to the same report, it could be seen that some new literary works have achieved good results through the recommendations of live stream anchors. Um, And uh, you can tell book retailers are also lured by the strong traffic dividend of short video platforms. For example, you know, DownDown, which is a one of the very popular uh, book rate, online book retailers. Uh, the website has opened stores on short video platforms such as Douyin and Kuaishou. Moreover, it has recently signed a cooperation agreement with JD Books, and its official flagship store will be fully launched on JD.com.
1: Right, I can give you an example of how a live stream host can propel the sale of one book. For example, Dong Yuhui, that is a guy who works for a uh, New Oriental Selection. He mentioned in that virtual book sale avenue that um, there's this book written by author Chi Zijian called The Right Bank of Erguna." Lake And that book, after his mentioning and introduction, uh, basically sold for 710,000 copies in a matter of four months. And that totals how many copies this book has been sold in 17 years since it was first published. So that's just how powerful these online sales platforms can be. So it's really interesting to see what's going on in the publishing world in that regard. Well, Josh, so reading books and watching short videos are not so paradoxical anymore, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm, as you guys probably know, at least on this show, have been quite critical of things like TikTok, especially when it comes into the conversations about attention and learning And things like this I think that it can have quite a detrimental effect on things um, that are connected with something like a book and so reading a book and so it does seem quite paradoxical but I guess that I'm in two minds about this really because there's the literal act of reading and doing that for quite a long time which I'm quite a proponent of I think that that is very beneficial And there's so much evidence to suggest that it is beneficial to you. So for that reason, and to some degree, I almost feel like, well, whatever gets people reading, you know, because so few people these days, less and less people do read and will read a whole book. I think that anything that gets people to do that, I'm kind of behind. But then I do see some negative effects of TikTok and I do see some things that suggest that maybe they're not so that it's not so paradoxical. And the elements of TikTok that affect other things, like we know how TikTok has sort of changed or is changing the music industry, and that artists, musical artists are now writing music and record labels are producing music that is specifically made so that it goes viral on TikTok, i.e. it can be done with a dance that can go viral or it's the right amount of time. And I imagine that probably as time goes on, books, may be no different and that many of these books will be written for book talk and things like this so i'm not sure what the future holds and i do also know that the books that are being read on booktok and that are being advertised by these influencers are it's quite limited and i worry that it might get even more limited as time goes on
1: right i'm wondering the only thing we know here is that with these online platforms, it tells people, oh, there's this book, you could possibly buy it, or in the Chinese context, it's so easy, you can buy it within the same platform with a click. And, um, but is that the same as somebody bought the book and actually read it? Because I know so many people, you either go to the bookstore or buy this book online, but it's just collecting dust on the bookshelf. And does buying a book equate to actually reading. So yeah, what do you think about this relationship between the two, the buying of books on these short video platforms and um, its effect on people?
2: I don't really care about whether you buy a book or not, or after you purchase a book, you would open it or not. But I'm very happy to see that resurgence in reading and people are going back to books instead of focusing on short video platforms for, you know, the... Videos, I think it's a great marketing strategy no matter how you uh, try to capitalize in the traffic because we know that all these short video platforms can uh, bring in a large, you know, traffic volume. That is great. And uh, no matter you have been lured to the platform for what reason and it has been turned into a purchase decision, I'm very happy that people. They like to read again. So when we are talking about why many news articles are uh, discussing with regard to uh, why people nowadays are reading less, why they're reading fewer books, Um, some people may blame short video platforms. It could be one of the reasons, but there are so many other reasons to be blamed. (laughs) It seems like people are so busy, why they're busy, and uh, they just feel like they're Days have been overwhelmed by the workload, family chores, as well as the need of socializing with other people. So these uh, events have greatly squeezed the time in terms of how many books they can read and how much time has been left for reading. Um, When you are watching short video and if the content creator is more profound compared to talking about which cosmetic product you should purchase or what is the latest fashion trend. But if a person can put efforts as well as time into making a video clip and trying to tell you what is the most hit book of the month, And why I like it why do you think this book is worth reading and what about the background of the author and what's the plot of this book what are the ups and downs in terms of the story development I will appreciate this person's input and also sometimes if you are going to platforms like TikTok uh, you are trying to figure out oh which content creator I should follow some of them they are very, very creative because some they just displayed with the cut pages straight on. So you can see neither spine nor covers. And then the titles are gradually revealed. So they know how to present a book oh. and how they can, you know, have that suspense vibe and trying to use the narrative that is uh, perfect for the presentation of a book and also some videos they may show a stack of books, their covers shown to camera one by one. No matter which style you prefer, at least the person is doing something that's meaningful, which is they are trying to establish a community for bookworms online. If you couldn't find such a physical store in your city, then you can go online and find people who think alike.
1: Right. So you're saying that this book talk might work a little bit differently to what we see pretty common on Chinese social media, the first thing comes to mind, and there's like a whole big genre of this kind of video is um, reading such and such book in one minute, reading such and such book in like seven minutes or something like that. It's almost like we have no longer of an attention span for the whole book, but for the introduction, of it through a video maybe we have time for that so josh could you tell us a bit more about the popularity of book talk and how it sort of gets people hooked and can actually drive book sales
0: i think there's a lot of reasons why it's driving book sales and i guess just like any trend one big factor is that it gives people a community and i guess that possibly, arguably, reading a book together in a community is something quite intimate, right? Because it takes quite a long time, quite a lot of investment to finish a book, relatively speaking, compared to a lot of other things uh, that people do online. And so I I imagine that this makes people feel quite connected to this um, social media host or maybe even an idol or something like this. I know that on YouTube these days, quite a lot of the biggest stars On that platform also have book clubs these days and once a month they will post a video on their channel where they'll talk about the book or books that they've been reading and they're super popular Um, and i can see why i've even found myself being quite engrossed in some of these videos sometimes if i've read one of the books that they've read i feel as though there's a sort of mutual experience and understanding that you don't get with something like oh we've just seen the same viral video everybody's seen it right but to meet somebody who's read the same book as you invested that amount of time in a story in those characters i think it can be quite intimate and therefore brings you much closer um and yeah i i think it also allows people to connect with others that are quite like-minded to them Mm. i imagine people that are really into deep or hard sci-fi it's called things like the dune series Mm. of books if you've ever attempted to read those i know that there's a community of people that are really into that hard sci-fi that's based on hard science. I myself have tried to read those books and I honestly, I've found it very difficult. I can't get into it myself. So I know that that's not maybe my community, right? Maybe one day. Um, But I imagine if you're in that, right, that it it probably feels uh, quite personalized.
1: Right. Well, that's a great example you just gave us. and. That particular book series has been made into a Hollywood blockbuster, and I suppose that it'd be attracting different groups of people. Of course, there are going to be uh, moviegoers who like the movie and therefore think, oh, maybe I'll get the book as well. And that's quite a, now may I say, traditional way of getting people to start reading sometimes. And um, how it works now is, I don't know if this is a really great way of um, doing these videos, but I've seen some of these online video hosts, they compile the movie into a minute long uh, short video and then sort of they tell the story and, uh, and say, well, yeah, there's the movie you can check out and there's also the book that you can check out as well. And that seems to be what Some people do in creating such content, but I bet you that the author and director won't necessarily agree that, oh, you call that content creation? But... The thing is, on TikTok and on these short video platforms, the numbers are real, and it's not just here in China, but also in the UK, US, and elsewhere, that apparently the recommendations that start from short video platforms are truly driving sales. And Huangshan, what do we know about that?
2: Yeah, now if we look at some figures, the BookTok community is very active and vibrant. Uh, It constantly Mm -hmm. creating highly engaging book-related content and one you should definitely consider being a part of if you are passionate about reading. So as of July the 17th, 2022, 10 out of the 15 books listed on the New York Times paperback trade fiction bestseller list are hashtag book talk recommendations. Well, in the UK, the Publishers Association said book sales rose 5% in 2021, a record attributed to the effects of TikTok. Well, it's the same in the U.S., where 826 million book copies were sold in 2021, according to publishing data company NPD Bookscan, which tracks book sales across the country in the U.S. Uh, So many publishers, they are telling the fact that uh, maybe this, Trend or this wave started to set off during, uh, started to take off during the pandemic because back then people were sheltering in place or stuck indoors and they started to rediscover the joy, the beauty, and the meaning of reading. And sometimes reading a book can offer them that escapism. So they would like to escape from the reality. Well, books can create that fantasy for. Them. I think this is a very great experience. And uh, just like other form of arts, they would like to boost their fames or trying to generate their popularity through short video platforms. You know, this platform, the threshold is very low. Just like some very ambitious young singers, indie musicians, they would like to shot to fame with the help of such platforms those influencers, I mean, the content creators who would like to share their recommendations of books, they can shot to fame on TikTok or any kinds of short video platforms as well, because you can just make your own video and trying to tell your own story about your personal experience with a book. And what's more is that for many niche genres, as well as categories, in the past, maybe they used to be invisible in traditional media outlets, and it's very hard to be spotted and appreciated by such major publishing houses. But now, you know, if you can create a very great and influential social media presence, you will be noticed by such major traditional publishing houses. I think for many people, the reason why they love to watch such videos is because they may think such content creators are relatable because back in the past three years, maybe when you were sheltering place and you don't know what to do, you turn on your social media account and trying to see what people are going through. And then there's a person who's just like you sitting in the living room, maybe wears the pajama and trying to recommend a book to you. So you will like to hear what this person is talking about and if you feel like this book speaks to you then you will purchase a book and with the reading as long as it started then it could become a page and then you will regain the passion and love for reading
1: that's nice and i'm gonna say now is exactly why i can't really get into social media that is um, don't you think that there are going to be some people out there who feel, why am I listening to this person in his pajamas in his living room and recommending a book? Why, you know, it's like, what agency or credibility does that person have? And of course, if you've got a whole bunch of time at hand, you don't know what to do about it, then sure. But if, you know, you've got a busy life and... uh yeah why are people still kind of engrossed by what average if i may say just average people are thinking about these subjects
0: i think it's just a time thing isn't it i mean we all have this idea that we're so busy these days i think the reality is that we're not any busier than we used to be it's just that our attention spans and our need to not waste any time has become so important to us it's the same reason why Websites like IMDB and movie review websites are so huge. And I myself am very guilty of not watching a movie unless I see decent reviews. And I will search online, probably spend about as much time online looking for the review as I would watching a film in order to make sure in my mind, oh, I don't want to waste my time watching this series or watching (laughs) this film. Um, And I guess it's the same with books, right?
1: Mm, I can understand that. But with those kind of websites, at least it turns out a number. So you know, okay, so there's like a million people who voted and then they come up with this number and then you're like, okay, I sort of know. Yeah. But if it's, you know, some Joe Schmo in the middle of nowhere and telling me, oh, this book is really good and then why am I watching this? Uh,
0: I think some of these <laughs> movie critics are also <laughs> Joe Schmoes as well, to be honest, so yeah. Yeah. what makes you qualified, you know?
1: <laughs> Yeah, joking aside though, short video platforms are shaking up the publishing industry at large, but how long do you think that this trend is gonna last and how can publishers harness the power of short form video
2: content in selling books? I think the trend will be popular for several years. At least this is my observation from now. I cannot predict how long it will last. And uh, I think this is also something that the whole publishing industry is monitoring closely. But we can see many um traditional and major publishers are also sourcing a book talk for authors because you know Now we are living in the information era and traffic volume. It seems like very important for many people when they would like to make the investment decision. And uh, in this era, I think for these authors who shot to fame on social media platforms, they may have a visible and engaged fan base, and that's a bonus on top of a great story and talent. So for publishers this could be a very great opportunity to find uh, talented indie authors while they can also have a very direct message from the market. Because when we are talking about social media platforms, we are talking about a younger demographic and you have to understand what they are talking about, what they like, what they like to read, recently and sometimes you know you cannot understand people's taste especially when you have the age gap over mm-hmm. there and you have to know what can get them hooked and uh, what you want to present to this audience group so for publishers many of the well-known major big publishing houses they're also catching up with the trend and they would like to open their short video accounts on such platforms and they will hire people to promote the books they published mm. and sometimes it may sound very crazy because like they are very hungry to the crowd and the market research and some big publishing houses even send swag boxes to popular creators online and bringing with books fresh out the press for review so this is how desperate they are but how long the trend will last we'll wait and see
1: well what you just described Huang Huangshan I don't see any different from uh, what, let's say, designer houses, yeah. which sell bags and shoes and apparel, do these days. They send these, you know, goodie bags, very nice ones, to key social media influencers and selling books seem to be following kind of a similar pattern. And if we look at the figures from the UK, actually, it's quite telling. According to the Publishers Association of the UK, four of the top five young adult bestsellers in the country in 2021 had viral moments on BookTok, while James Joyce's classic novel Ulysses had a renaissance after similar buzz Went online. So, Josh, a final comment from you of this topic. Um, what do you think of the future?
0: I'm trying to be positive about this, but you don't I have do, to. <laughs> I I worry that TikTok is going to shape the literature world for the worst, just as it has the music industry. That is my final <laughs> comment.
1: And we appreciate it. We'll be back after this break
2: discussion
0: keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable.
1: You're listening to Roundtable with myself, Hua Yang. I'm joined by Huang Shen in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, does cooking accelerate aging? A discussion on cooking makes women age faster is trending online in this country. What gives? And Love is in the air, definitely in eSports. Online video games have been touted as a good place to find love these days. Do you agree? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. And please keep sending your voice questions and comments to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are always better. However, we recognize that technology doesn't work for everyone, so just get it out to us however you can. Now on Roundtable as we continue today's discussion. The topic cooking makes women age faster has been trending on Chinese social media recently with some beauticians sharing how cooking will damage women's skin and offering tips on skincare. Others worry about cooking fumes damaging their health. Is cooking really bad for people's overall health, especially for women? Well, tell us
2: what's going on. The discussion was triggered by a short video where a man who was believed to be an expert, so I think this self-claimed expert, says cooking can make women age faster. The reasons he gave include high temperatures created in the process of cooking will release heat radiation, which will induce photo aging in women's skin. It might not create the same problem for guys through because uh, the cuticle layer in men is thicker than that of women. So my takeaway is, should you encourage men to cook more in your house? And harmful particulate matter in cooking fumes, once breathed in, will also damage people's health and speed up aging. To be honest, I totally agree with young people nowadays. And, you know, there was a topic trending on social media when a large number of young people are encouraging such experts to give less advice. I think this is a great... (laughs) opportunity for us to prove that it's quite like yeah I think like sometimes I don't know how we can qualify a person as an expert but on social media everyone can call him or herself an expert Mm -hmm. so my takeaway of this discussion is like I feel like after this video and this so-called expert will come up with another video talking about okay, here are the products you should check out. Which are the products you can use to like, you know, slow the aging of your skin? I mean, that's my takeaway.
1: Yeah, when I hear that people are giving these kind of advice and also products are involved, I'm like, oh, it sounds like a pretty obvious sales tactic. Or what do you think, Josh, about this, um, this thing trending on social media right now?
0: I mean, logically, it makes some sense in a very literal sense that cooking for a long period of time, anything that emits extreme heat like that is going to be, of course, damaging to the skin after a long period of time or it's going to affect you in some way or other. But I do think it's scaremongering a little bit. I think unless, of course, it's your profession or you're cooking a lot, you're Mm -hmm. over extreme heat for very long periods of time, then yeah, maybe this applies, but I think generally we should be careful to demonize the act of cooking so much because I think cooking can be so wonderfully healthy for people um, and I think that it can really improve your livelihood. Now, whether this is more of a conversation about how women do a disproportionate amount of mm-hmm. cooking in the home and and therefore they suffer more, thats for me that's a slightly different conversation that's more to do with the domestic role in the house and traditional male and female roles in the household i think that's more about that kind of conversation um but yeah i mean generally i think we should take this with a pinch of salt is my first impression
1: yeah and also i suspect that it was the intention of whoever who started this hashtag to sort of mingle the uh you know traditional gender roles dispute into cooking, and therefore somehow sensationalize it a little bit for people to start talking about it. And I have to admit, the first time when I saw this um, tagline, um, and it's really strange. In Chinese, it didn't bother me as much, but once it's translated into English, immediately I'm like, you know, up in arms, women, Mm. you know, cooking female liberation and from the household please come on haven't we been talking about this for ages and we're back to this again anyhow so I got carried away a little bit so now if we might come back to the cooking and aging and longevity issue um is it really so that cooking accelerates aging
2: Um, Official statistics show that women's average life expectancy is longer than men, though women cook more often at home. This could be based on some um, observations offered by media reports. Um, And there's another study published online by Cambridge University Press in 2012 titled Cooking, as a healthy behavior indicates cooking, lower the risk of death or other chronic diseases. So I would say, you know, for this argument, it could hold water in some aspects because maybe the fumes, the heat, or the smoke, or the grease, these could be the factors that may damage your skin if you have been exposed to that environment for a longer period of time. So if you just cook occasionally or if, let's say if you just cook 1 hour in a day, I don't think it will be that scary. And what's more is about how you cook your food. I think instead of saying oh cooking make you age faster, I would say how you cook your food and what ingredients you put into your cooking or what cooking method you are using could cook- be the reasons why you may age faster or you have some problems related to your diet uh, because we know for some people they like to deep fry everything so Mm. if you cook every day and you deep fry everything and you put all kinds of let's say maple syrup or sugar or peanut butter or chocolate paste on everything you eat and paired with rich sauces or gravies you know what, I think it's not that healthy. So I think these are the reasons I would say that can make you age faster or they can uh, make you unhealthy.
1: Yeah, oh, that's pretty high calorie intake and also just high cholesterol um, levels by the sound of it. Okay, Josh, you mentioned that argument about cooking can be really healthy, and that's true. I think the cooking activity can be very good for the brain, the mind and soul and all that, and possibly that can counteract the ugh, fumes that one breathes in uh, during cooking. What do you think about this, you know, overall assessment?
0: Again, I think that you'd have to take it on a case-by-case basis because people cook for different amounts of time and people cook for different amounts of people um, and people cook different types of food. And as you say, people are... So I I think we've got to be careful to generalize too much uh, Mm. about Um, these things but I'm not sure if cooking can always counteract the fumes that people are inhaling I wouldn't take it that far but I know what you mean is I get your point right do the health benefits outweigh the the negative effects and I I think that they probably do I think that it's it's worth the risk now again I'm I I think this is a separate Mm -hmm. conversation to traditional gender roles and Mm -hmm. by no means am I saying that uh it would be a bad idea to share the cooking responsibility in the home, regardless of who you are or what gender you are. But um, I think that preparing meals at home, it can be so great because you can learn about nutrition. I mean, a lot of these benefits are so obvious, right? But I think that by seeing what's actually going into your food, you can monitor your intake. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that it um, helps you eat less. And obviously, if you're going out shopping, if you're on your feet more, um, it's it's just a a healthier way to live and I think it's just really good for mental health as well having that routine we've spoken before on this show about the benefits of routine I think people that cook for me it seems as though they have more of a routine ingrained into their life and that can actually be really good and sort of set your day up uh, a lot better than if you just order why my all the time (laughs) um I think that I'm I'm one I I definitely order why my too much and I know that although it's incredible and I feel so lucky to be able to just not even move from my sofa barely and and eat whatever I want, I have a feeling that's not good for me in the long run. And I think that it's probably not good for my health.
1: Right. While the actual act of cooking isn't necessarily aging you. Sorry, you can't really use that excuse, huh? Why cooking is good for you is something that Huang Shen definitely knows a lot about because um, she cooks and her family cooks. And uh, what can you say to us in that regard?
2: I think cooking is not a single activity. It involves a considerable physical and social skill set. For example, you can become more creative when you are coming up with a new dish and you learn the recipes, especially if you are into baking, then you will know everything should be so precise and uh, you have to learn all the details. And it's a great way to uh, train your focus. You will be more concentrated in achieving a project. What's more, it can bring you that uh, emotional joy because when you are seeing the pastry is puffing up, Mm -hmm. It gives you a sense of achievement. And if that dish can put laughter on your loved one's face, I mean, that is a great family activity. Uh, To be more realistic, when you are the chef, you can decide what's on the menu and you can cook with your love, your passion. Well, the simplest thing you can do is like you can change uh, the cooking oil to grapeseed oil or olive oil, that'll be good for you.
1: Right. It's good that you mentioned the ingredients in that sense. Um, I suspect that, you know, the way we cook a lot of the Chinese dishes might just not be all that lung-friendly to the chef. Um, We do a lot of frying, Mm. stir-frying in Chinese cooking, whereas, you know, in, let's say, baking, which is not really that commonly seen in China in the traditional kitchen, if you just need to shove stuff into the oven, then there aren't any flames coming out, right? So Mm. I Think it might be a little bit healthier of a cooking style so what about this fume issue that people are talking about during cooking is there ways to avoid it or to just retain your chinese style cooking but just in a healthier fashion for those who are slaving away in the kitchen
2: One thing is that you can turn on the ventilator. That will definitely help. (laughs) And you can change your cooking method. For example, instead of stir-frying things, you can steam everything. And if you like french fries, you like deep-fried chicken drumsticks, and if you like all kinds of deep-fried things, you can also try to use an oven if you have the equipment because sometimes you can replicate the dishes by baking them.
1: Yeah, it'd be really nice to have big windows in the kitchen. And that's the part that I was a little bit surprised or I just immediately realized that there is a difference in arrangement. When I first visited the U.S. uh, decades ago, when you have these, you know, big open kitchens and no nearby window, and it's like, wow, this is not built for Chinese cooking, because for my dad, for example, I think he just enjoys so much that you know, that noise when he just pours all the uh, the shredded meat and uh, veggies into the wok, which is really hot with boiling oil. I think, Dad, don't do that so much, please, you know, as much as, you know, I love him. But anyhow, so, you know, this traditional way of cooking in the Chinese kitchen is uh, is a little bit different. And maybe there could be a little bit of a tweak you can do when you're making these dishes. Um, ever since the pandemic, home cooking has seen its heyday. And uh, now some folks are back at work and uh, to the busy pace of life. Is it possible to keep that habit of cooking a bit more at home since it is quite healthy one would say
0: i think that it's going to be quite a challenge and i think that the reason for this is because of the increasing convenience of fast food delivery services and i know that fast food it's not always fast food just food delivery services and as we've discussed before on this show as well that there's many other catering services that are becoming more commonplace and more available even cooks chefs coming into your home and cooking you meals for you so whether this is all going to encourage more people to cook at home i think sadly the odds are stacked against that um, ideal but i do hope that um, it uh, maintains its popularity and i mean i even for myself i hope that i can start cooking more at home will i do so it remains to be seen, but I'm I'm not so hopeful about it <laughs> continuing.
1: Do you have a signature dish, Josh?
0: Yeah, I do, actually. Um, most of my signature dishes require a large oven, and the reason for that is because in the United Kingdom, most of our dishes, are, a lot of them are, are use a large oven. And mm-hmm. I know that in China, it's quite rare, well, at least where I've lived, <laughs> to have a large oven in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's not used as much. So. If I have one of those at my disposal, then what I would cook for you would be, um, it would be some sort of risotto dish, oh. whether that's risotto with a, a full salmon in it um, and ba- a baked risotto, or risotto using a lot of um, dry white wine oh. and um, <laughs> freshly made pesto. I, I like to make the pesto myself in a blender. And um, yeah, this something along those lines would be my speciality
1: that's brilliant if i was living by myself um i'd probably be storing shoes in the oven so never mind um when you have friends who (laughs) are like (laughs) such good cooks then you know there's a reason why you should be friendly to them coming up next if you are still wondering where your mr right or dream girl is could it be you haven't been looking in the right place we'll be back after this break
0: looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West and understanding is the goal.
1: It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Huang Shen in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Tying the knot may be pushed back on personal timetables for a growing number of Chinese adults in recent years, but one surprising group bucks the trend, eSports fans. Apparently, online video games are the place to find love these days. Is that true? What about Gaming. That makes it a great avenue to meet and mingle the future PLIs, also known as potential love interests. Well, there's an acronym for everything in the cyber
2: world. So what'd you say? I think the nature of video games is very helpful because you are teaming up with some strangers. And then while solving all kinds of obstacles in the game, you and the other person are gradually building up that uh, friendship. And sometimes... Um, you know, this video game can help you to connect with another person. The person could be anywhere, maybe not in your own city. It could be in a different country even. So I think this is a very great opportunity for you to realize that uh, it's a great opportunity to communicate with someone because some people, they feel more comfortable in a virtual world and they can be whoever they want, which they feel to become in the real world due to so many reasons, then you can reveal more uh, traits of your personality on the cyber world, and you will lose your guard down. That could be another, you know, hidden risk. But in this regard, I think sometimes you will be the self that is more authentic or more genuine. And uh, you don't have the, I would say you don't have the expectation of meeting someone and have that click with someone, but it will gradually escalate your friendship to, a romantic relationship, if you're lucky or if you have met the right person. So I think this is a very interesting finding and also like some other studies are suggesting that uh, esports fans they are more likely than other chinese college students to plan to marry and start families in the future or role playing within games can trigger a person's desire to start a family and these are according to six tones report so i think it's a very interesting angle
0: i think it's relatively interesting um I think just because of the sheer amount of people that are gaming online these days and the amount of people that are invested in esports, I don't find it too surprising. And I wonder if it's so significant, this story, and if there's something really quite niche about gaming that makes it so different just because of how common it is and how many people Mm -hmm. I know personally that are of this age that are young adults or at university or even going into their 30s and 40s who are into eSports and gaming. I do think that it's quite interesting. One thing I read from this research was that there's some ideas that it's because they have high salaries um, and that people who tend to game more, I guess this is alluding to the idea that gamers are people who maybe work in the tech industry or at least have some of these hard skills that allow them to have better paid jobs and consequently they are more set up to start a family or own a car, have a home, and so they're better primed to be marriage material. I thought that was quite interesting. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if there's
1: Th- that's something evid-
0: so much evidence to suggest that that's necessarily true, but I kind of get it. Um, it makes me think I should start gaming, to be honest, <laughs> all of this. Yeah. yeah,
1: add that to your busy schedule. I was yeah. intrigued by exactly the same point that you rightfully pointed out, Josh. But my read to it is a little bit different. What surprised me was this point that was sort of crystallized by the uh, research saying that um, this also defies the general impression of people saying, oh, you know, young people these days in China don't really want to get married or they're not interested in traditional relationships as such. But in the gaming world, somehow, like... There are plenty of examples of people who marry early, who are happily settling into marriage life and somehow a different picture to what general people expect of gamers or just average people playing video games every day. And maybe they're not all that different to what one might have otherwise perceived. That's one thing, and I wonder what you guys think about that. And another thing is that some people say that because in the games, you are sort of summoning people or socializing with people, persuading them to join your league, your team, and you've got a whole bunch of strangers who need to form a team and go hunting or go into battle and siege and stuff. And it's all very intense and heightened awareness that you don't necessarily get in such intensity in real life. And therefore, the relationships that you built in the game is of significance and Some would even say that, oh, these games, they train your leadership skills. They also give you a chance to, if, let's say, you're paired up with this man or woman or whatnot, and just a side note, you don't know exactly what that person is. They just tell you who they are. But anyhow, you spend a lot of time online with this person, and then, therefore, like you go through... A lot online together in the game. And then through this kind of interaction, and also sometimes extreme circumstances online, therefore, it is almost the same as having this interaction with a person in a committed relationship in real life. And therefore, it's a great place to forge a relationship and it could even carry on into something more. Um, Do you agree with
2: this kind of argument? Yeah, I think this is a very interesting format. It's about where you met first. I think sometimes you uh, met the person in a challenge, in a group game, then by having the experience of, uh, you know, the team building experience or trying to conquer that conflict resolution challenges through playing a video game this could be a great indicator of your compatibility in life. So you can test whether this person is good for you or not. This could be a deeper connection than a very simple video call. For many people, they don't have the intention to find a date in a video game. They may just want to bond with someone, find a community, and if they're lucky, they can have a great friendship in this game when they're gaming together and some take this even further as folks even find love sometimes across long distances and the cultural differences. So I think this is a great opportunity, but still it's in the virtual world. You have to be careful. And to answer your earlier question, I think for some e-game players, they say the reason why they love to uh, tie the knot earlier is because when they are starting their career, they were quite young and they may retire younger than people who are pursuing different career paths. What's more is like, they have been obsessed, or they have been too into this virtual world. They want some social connection. So they want a real person to talk to, to communicate with. So you're talking about
1: the esports fairy tale then. Yeah. <laughs> the, the esports professional players. Yeah. And yeah, there's this interesting observation which says that this group of people tend to maybe marry young, and mm. that is possibly why that. Huang Shen just explained for us. And also, I mean, all this online communication could backfire easily. We've heard of catfishing, you know, that is posing as a persona that is completely different to what this person is like in real life, or we've talked about game sales or, you know, these instigators or sales drivers in the game that is hired by someone just so that you, player, will open the wallet. So you know with all these things in mind as well do you feel that safe in finding love in esports
0: yeah why not i mean this is the world this is the reality right (laughs) now isn't it we live our lives on the internet and Mm. i guess that it's there's it's nothing we can stop and at least with something like esports you're actually doing an activity that is stimulating to you outside of anything romantic as well. So at least you definitely have a shared interest of sorts rather than it just being a dating app where people are just trying to communicate or trying to, I guess in the most sinister sense, get something from you um, by claiming to be somebody that they're not, for example, right? And at least with eSports, you know that there is a reality there. And that one thing that you can hold on to is that we both have a mutual passion for gaming. So I think in that respect, I think it's probably a lot better than a lot of other means of meeting people online.
1: Right. Well, I'd like to hear a few points of caution from Huangshan before we close the show.
2: Yeah, just like every other social media platform, you have to be aware and you have to be cautious because this person could be not real. So it's good to have a friend on a video game, but just be cautious, you know, the world is so complicated.
1: It is. And also, I know for a fact that there are people who have multiple relationships online. And sometimes (laughs) this person is posing as a woman, sometimes as a man. And yeah, it can be quite difficult to pinpoint what exactly is this? And it's so common also for people to declare that they're in a relationship online and it's only a virtual relationship. It's not supposed to have any impact or in real life, but then how do you even judge? Let's say if this person is having a virtual relationship with a stranger online and who is also married to a real person in real life. Does that count as cheating? Well, there are a lot of other ethical questions to be asked there and... That's all the time we have for today's show. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell and Huang Shen for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time.